middle of this, uh, this Mark series there, where, where we're looking at a story of a guy named Jonah. You may not have read the Bible before, but you probably heard of this guy named Jonah and, and how he made some decisions and the decisions he made and the consequences of those decisions left him kind of a marked man. And not only did his decisions and what happened in his life mark him, but his decisions landed on somebody else and, and marked them, all right? Kind of the fallout from his mess. But more than anything else so far, and here's what we are seeing, is that even when we make bad decisions that mark us, and even when we run from God, and even when we're ready to give up on ourselves or, you know, just quit, God has never done that to us. God has never given up on us. God has never quit on us. And God has never and will never run away from or abandon us. As as a matter of fact, if God is great and God is good, and if God really loves us, and here's where we landed last week, if you were here, is that the greatest, goodest, most loving thing God could ever do for us or to us is to come after us and throw everything necessary at us to get us to let go of worthless things that cannot take care of us and turn to him for help. Because he alone is able to do what we really need done in our lives so we can be saved, so we can experience real life. So because it is true that God is great and he is good and he's loving, he has made us some promises. He has promised that if he sends anything into our life or if he allows anything to touch our lives, he makes this promise. If we're willing to turn towards him and ask him for help, he will always provide more than enough grace and mercy to take care of us in our time of need. And if we will let him, now you can always swim away from God, you can always run away from God, you can try anyway, but if we'll let him, he is willing and able to use all things. That's what we just sang about. All things. Good things, bad things, fair things, unfair things, understandable things, things that you may never understand, like, or agree with. But if we will let him, God can use all things for us, not against us, but for our good, including, this is what we've covered so far, storms, fish, prison, sickness, divorce, addictions, life, death, all things. Nothing can separate you. Nothing has ever been able to separate you from the love of God that can be found in Christ Jesus. So bottom line, here's a takeaway if you missed all that. If you think, if you're sitting here tonight going, I think I've done too much. I think I've run too far away from God and I've ended up in a place that's unreachable. God can't even reach me here. That it's, it's unredeemable, it's, it's unusable. You're wrong. You're just, you're just wrong. Nothing can separate you from God. And God can use all things for something good in your life. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. We're going to pick up in chapter 3 of the book of Jonah. And uh, so the, chapter 3 is printed out on the programs back there, so you can go run and get one. There's free Bibles, you can pull out your own Bible. And you want to take notes on this kind of stuff, because this one's kind of really, really high application tonight. You're not going to like it necessarily, but it's very, very high application. So Jonah chapter 3, if you have the Bibles in the back, uh, we're on page 645. Uh, and if you have your own Bible, it's find the Lord Jesus and turn left about 50 pages and you'll find Jonah, all right? So let me give you a quick catch up um, as you kind of find the book of Jonah because it's a real four chapter book. The first week we look at this is that, that God gave Jonah a command, all right? God gives people commands all the time, but God told Jonah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to this city called Nineveh and I want you to tell them something for me. And here it is. Tell them that I love them, but they have to stop doing the wicked things that they're doing because if they don't, they're going to be destroyed. And Jonah's like, okay, gotcha, God. No. It's not like I'm unclear. I'm not sure. Where's Nineveh? No, no, no. I, got, I understand God. The answer is no. Now, that was his first mistake, telling God no. But his second mistake was that he ran. He got on a boat and he sailed in the opposite direction. But, but this is what Scott looked at the first week. God didn't lose Jonah. You don't run from God and he's like, where did he go? You know, you know God, God knows where we are. 
He didn't give up on Jonah. He actually went after Jonah. So Jonah's out on a boat, all right, in the middle of the Mediterranean, and, and he sends a storm on the boat that results in they threw Jonah overboard, hoping that that would kind of appease God. And like we covered last week is that if, if God sends anything, if God sends something, he will always provide something more, more than enough to take care of you. And in Jonah's case, he provided this giant fish to swallow him, which I know sounds impossible. And the reason it sounds impossible is because it is. It's impossible. All right. It just can't happen. As a matter of fact, the only way that Jonah survived three minutes, and that's about how long he can last underwater, let, let alone three days, is simply because God did something. Supernatural. Otherwise, this guy would have hit the water, got sucked down by a fish, and, and he would have died. It's a death sentence. But God didn't allow what should have happened to actually happen. And I know that you push back against that and go, that sounds like a fairy tale. But, 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 but again, last week we looked at, at our own stories and some things in our own life. And what happened to Jonah, it's kind of a picture of some of us, isn't it? We have some things that have happened in our life that should have ended us. Ended our lives, right? Ended our freedom, blown up our families, ended our health, but God jumped into our life. You look back in the rearview mirror of your life going, you know, the only explanation why I'm even here today is that I mean, God did something. Otherwise, I, there's just no way, other explanation. So Jonah's inside of this fish and God's keeping him alive. And in this fish, Jonah, Jonah realized, here's my big mistake, all right? I've been running from God towards worthless things when I should have been running from worthless things towards God. And so at the end of his rope, when he's about to die, he's got seaweed wrapped around his head, if you remember, Jonah cries out to God and he asks him, will you please help me? Will you help me? I mean, I'm as low as possible. And, 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 and so I'm saying, will you, will you help me? And God listened to him and heard his cry. And eventually, not right away, but eventually God let him out of the fish, Right. But what we're going to see tonight is that God didn't save Jonah just from drowning. That wasn't the salvation part. God saved him for a purpose, a very specific purpose. And I'll just give you a spoiler up front. Maybe he did the same thing for you. So we're going to be in Jonah chapter 3. We're going to pick this up. And, uh, and I had to slow down because the sign language people last hour were getting cramped. So I'm going fast. Here we go. All right. So Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. It goes like this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Here's what God says to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. Big city, really important. All right, now, now time out here. All right, I want to point out a couple things right off the top. As a matter of fact, we can spend the whole night mostly on these three verses. Now, look, look at verse three there, okay? Jonah has been inside of a fish for three days and he gets puked up on the beach and immediately he heads to Nineveh. Now, if you were there, that would have been a sight. I mean, just kind of, kind of go back and go, I wonder what that was like. This past week, uh, uh, Rob and I rented a movie at home on demand. It was, uh, it was called 127 Hours. It's the story of Aaron Ralston. He's the hiker that got trapped under a boulder. His arm was pinned under a boulder. For five days, he was in the desert in Moab and no, no food, no water. And he was almost dead. And then the fifth day, he took out his little multi-tool and, and cut off his own arm and patched it up. And then he came, went hiking through the wilderness until he came, into some hike, came upon some hikers. And I, we're watching this movie and, and the look on those hikers' faces when Aaron came around the corner, I mean, staggering toward them. He was screaming. He was covered in blood and filth. And the look on the, on the hikers' face, faces was kind of a, a mixture between fear and panic. And you could tell the, the, the conversation was going, should we help him or run? You know, because it's kind of scary. And that had to be the reaction when Jonah comes walking into Nineveh. 
Because I did some research on this this week. Uh, one scientist said uh, if a person could live inside of a fish for three days, when he, when he came out, Jonah's skin would have been bleached out, this, this non-human shade of, of grayish white, and he would smell... Have you ever cleaned a fish or something like that? And like for a week, it's like, yeah, uh, all right. So you've been in there for three days. I'm telling you, that smell would have been noticeable long before you saw Jonah and long after Jonah left the room. And in any case, when, when Jonah finally showed up in Nineveh, I, I, I bet he had their attention, right? It's the stinky gray man, run, 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 run. So, so he walks in, in there. Now, here's the other thing. And I think this is the more important thing I want to look at. Look, look back at Jonah chapter three, verse one. Look at this. This is really important. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah, what? A second time. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And here's my point tonight. And this, this is really the whole point. It goes like this. We have a God who's a God of second chances. Aren't you glad? We, we have a God who's a God of sick, second chances. And here's the thing is, he doesn't have to be. He, there's none of this, he's obligated to give anybody a second chance. I mean, if you read the Bible, and I highly recommend it, but, but cover to cover, the message of the Bible has this theme. It goes like this. The wages, the result, the penalty, here's what you have coming if, if you disobey God, if you blow off God, if you run from God. Here's the wage of sin. Here it is, ready? Condemnation and death. That's what, that's, that's what it says in the Bible, meaning that God would have been totally justified to, to, to punish or condemn Jonah on the spot. You ran, you're going to hell. I'm killing you, right? I mean, he could have totally had a position to do that. But instead, God decides, I don't want to punish you. I want to discipline you. Not the same as punish. And I'm going to redirect Jonah. And he gave him a second chance. And he said something like this to Jonah. Jonah, I already told you once. And you said no. And now, because I love you, I'm going to give you a second chance. Go to Nineveh. This time Jonah said yes. And here's the other thing. And I, I don't know how many times I've read this story all my life since I was in Sunday school as a little kid. But here's the other thing I've missed all along. All, all along. God's also giving the people of Nineveh a second chance. See, and here's how I say that, is that, is that. And you wouldn't know this unless you studied Bible history. And you probably didn't have time, so I did it for you this week. But here, here's what happened is that several years before this event, Nineveh had disobeyed God. And God allowed another army to come in and capture them to, to be swallowed up. By another nation. And then he delivered them when they repented and turned back towards God. And, but here's this. Years later now, they're starting to slip back into their old ways. And once again, God sends a message to Nineveh. It's very familiar. It's like this. I told you once. And you said no. And now because I love you, just like I gave Je- Jonah a second chance, I'm going to give you a second chance too. And here's the thing. Is, I, as I was studying this story this week, I had... I, a really great kind of aha moment of my own. See, when Jonah screwed up his life, God had prepared, specially prepared, uniquely prepared, a very qualified fish, right? At just the right time so that Jonah could be rescued. But, but when the people of Nineveh screwed up their lives, God provided and did his homework. God provided a very uniquely prepared and qualified person to show up at Nineveh so that they could be saved. Jonah. See, everything in chapter 1 and chapter 2 that Jonah did right, that Jonah did wrong, the storm, the boat, all that kind of stuff, all uniquely prepared Jonah for what he was about to do. And here's kind of the second part of that aha moment for me. Doesn't God still do stuff like that all the time? Have you noticed that? 
I mean, looking back over my life and, and looking around this room, I, I know some of your stories. I, I've heard your stories. I've watched them unfold over the last five years. I have seen God use some of the most unlikely people. Haven't you? I, think, I, I is one of those, right? right? So I, I've seen God use some of the, most, the, the least qualified, the worst track record, the, the most, I made some big mistakes. I wouldn't be allowed in any other church. That's who we are, by the way, all right? Those type of people. I have seen God use some people that you would never think could be used by God or anybody else. And I've seen God use them to reach out and offer hope and healing to some people who are so broken and hurting that they never would have listened to anybody. Unless the person offering the hope and healing was a person who could look back and go, oh, me too. Me too. And I think, and you can't rewrite the Bible, but I think Jonah chapter 3 should be subtitled. So if you have your pen, you can do this. It should be subtitled, me too. And here's why I think that. See, God wants Jonah to deliver a special message to the people in Nineveh. And we're going to see in a minute. It's a tough message. But the reason that anybody's going to listen to Jonah is not because he smells, and not because he's weird looking, and it's certainly not because he's a religious expert sent from God to tell sinners what they're doing wrong. No, no. The, the message that's going to come out of Jonah's mouth is this. Here's what God is saying to do. And let me tell you my story, because you might want to pay attention to what God's telling you. See, I, I think as Jonah tells his story, if anybody pushes back at Jonah and goes, yeah, but you, you don't understand what I've done. I think Jonah will honestly look back at him and go, is that it? Is that all you got? Because I can go sin for sin with you on that one, all right? I, I think that if anybody looks back at Jonah and says, it, it won't work and that, my life is too hard, too messed up. I've made too many mistakes. I think God's given up on me. I think I'm too far gone. I think Jonah's response would probably have been to roll his eyes and go, look at me. Look, look at me, I spent three days in a fish. Do you smell that? Because it's not going to go away real fast. It doesn't wash off, right? I mean, listen, I hear you, I hear it. I get it. I've been there, I've done it, I felt it, me too. I, I, I was on my way to getting what I deserved. I was almost dead, but at my lowest moment, right before it was too late, I asked God to help me, and he did, and he will do the same for you. Me too. Now, I'm not sitting, you know, saying, and I, I hear this all the time. I, you know, are, are you saying that if I haven't screwed up my life, I can't help anybody? No. But honestly, speaking as a person who has screwed up their life several times, all right, I, I do appreciate what the experts have to say about my problem. Thank you. It's very helpful. But the person who's been where I've been and done what I've done and felt what I've felt and lived through it to tell about it, that is the person I want to hear from, right? That person has my attention. Because they understand. I'll give you some examples. All right? See, in the last couple of years, I, I've had the opportunity. You know, usually I'm here, but sometimes when Scott teaches, I, I go visit an, another church. Not very much, and I'll tell you why in a minute, but, but I visit some other churches. And so in the last couple of years, I, I visited one church in Colorado. I'm not going to tell you their name because you know, a lot of you used to go to that church, but I'm not going to tell you, right? But, and then another one's in another state. And I'm going to leave the names out because occasionally, you know, somebody will send me an email going, why do you always slam and criticize other churches? And I try not to do that, but tonight I'm going to. All right. All right. And that's going to make my mom really mad when she listens online because she's going to go, Jim, you know, some people in that church listen. And I'm like, good. You know, so anyway, so here it is. All right. So this one church, all right, I'm sitting there because, all right, so it's, I, I just, last night I decided to go there. So the pastor's teaching on marriage. I said, this is going to be great. All right. So, and in this particular week, he invited his week to be a part of the talk with him. But when she gave her part of the talk, she spoke from down on the floor off the stage because in that church, women are allowed to teach, which is another thing, blah, 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 blah. But here we go. All right. So, but when they came to the part where they were going to talk about dealing with conflict in marriage, 
The only example they could come up with was a little, and I quote, a little tiff they had 17 years ago. I'm like, are are you serious? Because I'll be honest with you, Robin and I duked it out pretty good this morning before I came to church alone. Right? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, so shut up. All right, all right, so. I went by myself, you know, I looked around that room and I promise you a third of the heads went like this and looked at their watches and started counting the seconds until they could escape to the parking lot. Especially when I'll throw this one in too. One of the application points for here's how to have a better marriage was this advice. Ready? Hang on. And don't get mad at me. I didn't say this, but here, ladies. Oh, come on. I didn't say that, right? (laughs) But get ready. Hang on to that, right? Ladies, if you would keep the house cleaner and have your makeup on when your husband gets home from a hard day at work, that might fix a lot of your marriage problems. I didn't say it. I pray for that man. But anyway, all right, so people ask me all the time, Jim, why do you think so many churches are shrinking up and dying? And the answer is because of stupid condescending crap like that. Right? I mean, it's just true. Now, here's the thing. Sorry. That's all the women. All the ladies are like, that's right, Jim. Equality. All right. So anyway, so here's it. The other church I visited, and I think I talked about this one before because it really marked me. All right. The pastor opened his talk with something like this. Today, I'd like to talk about the idea that life is hard. But honestly, the hardest thing in my life is that the other night, our oven overheated and my wife burned my dinner. And again, I sat there and I watched dozens of people shift in their seats and drop their heads. And I thought to myself, seriously? Really? I actually turned to the person next to me who was with me because my wife Robin was back here in Colorado going through a really hard time. And I said, this is where my wife Robin would stand up, yell, blank you, and leave. (laughs) She would, too. She wouldn't say blank. And I didn't yell out blank you, but I, I did leave before the talk was over. And to be fair, maybe the talk got better, but... I said, because my mom is going to listen to this. Like, there you go, mom. All right, so I really sitting there going, really, are, are you serious? You're going to talk about how hard life can be and that is your point of connection? You had a bad baking experience? Bless your heart. I mean, because I, 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 I'm pretty sure that the lady over on my right with sunglasses on indoors at an evening service with the bruising and swelling peeking out from around her sunglasses might need more than that, Right? And I'm not saying that every church needs to be a place where we all get together and gripe and moan and whine about how screwed up we are. But even with Jesus, one of the things that helps me connect with him is that he at least admitted that he was tempted in all the ways that I am. And I remember sitting in both of those churches thinking, you have no idea what my life is like. You don't understand anything. You have nothing to offer me that could help. Right? You ever sat in that church? I mean, not always, but most of the time, in the big things of my life, if someone is going to try to speak into the, the really tender, sensitive, guarded parts of my life, I need to know that you really do understand what my life looks like rather than just yelling advice at me about what I should do better. Right? I mean, if I am drowning, before I listen to you, I need, you to, know, I need to know that you understand what it feels like to have the water close over your head. Don't you? And I remember, I mean, I, I remember almost five, five years ago, um, Robin and I were brand new out here. We just moved out here from, from, from Kentucky, all right? And, and Robin shared her story, her testimony. And the reason is, is that in some of the churches we've been at before, she wasn't allowed to. And I'll explain why in a minute. But she, she stood up here and she was nervous. She didn't want to do it. But she, she said, you know, for the last 20 years, I've wrestled with bipolar disorder. She's manic depressive and, and migraine headaches and, and a seizure disorder. And how 
she and I, we've prayed for 20 years at that point. God, please heal her. Please heal her so she can be the mom and the, and the friend and the husband or the wife and all that stuff that she really wants to be. And so far, you know what God's answer has been, even up to tonight? No. No, she's at home with a migraine right now. God's answer has been no, but my grace is sufficient for you and I will take care of you. And here's the thing is, if you've ever been to church much, most Christians who are allowed to share their stories, their testimonies, whatever you want to call it, in church are asked to end it with a big happy bow. A big shiny, and then I prayed a prayer and all of it went away and I lived happily ever after. And that's just not real. That's sometimes, but I remember Robin ending her story this way. Some days are good and some days are horrible. Some days I can get out of bed and some days I, I can't. But every day I know God will give me the grace to make it. And when I am weak, he is my strength. And every service, they gave her a standing ovation for standing up. And you can just tell people going, finally, somebody's being honest. And she has outsold my CDs by like three times, all right? I mean, Sam, we just give them away. It's like, I need that one, all right? So if you go out there, just ask for Robbins and they'll know. They're like, here's another one, all right? So and here's the thing. We were brand new to Colorado and Flatirons didn't know us and we didn't know Flatirons very well. But it's like on that day, at that moment, it's like the church voted. You can stay. You can be our pastor and here's why. Life sucks at your house too, right? Just like it doesn't mind. In other words, me too. It's the same way when Scott came out here a few months after I got here. You know, uh, just, a, uh, just a, a couple years before that, he, his wife, Allison, had, had miscarried her pregnancy. their first pregnancy, right? And some friends of theirs, at the same time that they were going through that, announced that they were pregnant. And Scott confessed up here on this stage that in his brokenness, he found himself secretly wishing that they would lose their baby too. He wasn't proud of that. He wasn't proud of the fact that he thought that. He was just honest about it. And in a room full of people who have had moments that are just as low and thought thoughts that were just as broken, it's like we all sat in here and went, well, that's honest. And you can be our pastor. Finally, a teacher who's willing to say, me too. Let's do this journey together. We trust you, Scott. You can stay. And my point is this. And here's where a lot of people, especially Christians, get all locked up. Rather than worrying all the time about if your past experiences have disqualified you from being used by God, which is why a lot of Christians put on a Jesus happy face and try to act like everything is fine when it's not. How about this? Why don't you just be honest and realize that your past experiences may actually be what qualifies you to be used by God to help some people now. And I think that keeping it real and being honest and saying me too a lot is one of the reasons that people feel so comfortable and safe coming to Flatirons. And I think it's one of the reasons that people paid attention to Jonah. Rather than throwing him out when a stinky, weird-looking, marked Jonah used his second chance to walk into Nineveh and say something really hard. Really hard. Look at this. Verse 4. On the first day, he walks in and here's what we're going to open with. Jonah started into the city and he proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned, destroyed. In other words, uh, all right, let me just open with this. God's trying to tell you something. And if you don't listen to him, if you don't pay attention to him... If you don't make some big changes in your life, you're going to lose everything and take it from me. I know I have been there. I have done it. I have run away from God and it didn't go well. So pay attention to what he may be trying to tell you. And here was the result. The next verse, verse five, the Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast. We're not going to eat. And all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth, which is an ancient way of publicly saying, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm brokenhearted. I want to change my life. I want a different life. And it wasn't just the, the, like the, the average people. It went all the way to the top. Look at verse six. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, 
He rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust, in the dirt. And then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. So I'm just not telling people don't eat. Don't even feed the dog. I mean, and nobody eats or drinks. And here's what I want us to do instead. Let, let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let everyone call, pray urgently on God. Call out to God and, and let them give up their evil ways and their violence. And who knows? Who knows? I mean, this is worth a shot. We're going to lose everything anyway. I mean, we know that that's what happened in the past, but who knows? God may yet relent. He may change his mind and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish like we did before, by the way. Verse 10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion. He was brokenhearted. He, 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 was, he loved them and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. And the people of Nineveh were saved. And just like Jonah, and this time because of Jonah, they were given a second chance and they took it. Now, two applications and we'll go home, all right? Now, the, the first application is very simple. It's not easy, but it's very simple. And it goes like this. God is a God of second chances. And third and fourth and a thousand. God is a God of second chances. So here's my question to you. What might be or what is the second chance that you know God is offering you? What is the second chance God is offering you? And here's what I mean by this. I'll say it a bunch of different ways. What has happened or is happening in your life that many people, and maybe you're at the top of the list of this list of people, but... You, you think, well, you know, I did this or because I, I made this mistake or, you know, this happened to me or because I still struggle with this. It's not like I used to struggle with it. I mean, I still am struggling with it tonight because of all that. I'm probably not qualified. I'm probably disqualified from ever being used by God to do anything good or important with my life. You know, there's, what, what is it in your life that, that would or could be one of those all things that we sang about? Out of Romans you know, chapter 8 that says that God was referring to when he said, I'm willing to give you a second chance and I'll use everything, all things, what, what kind, good and bad things, what, what, uh, your fault things or somebody else's fault things for something good in your life and maybe somebody else's life. And let me say it one more, more way, all right? Is it possible that the thing that you think ruined your life and disqualified you from being used for something important in the world Maybe God wants to take the same thing and what happened to you and use it to prepare you to be the fish to rescue somebody from drowning. I mean, God is the one who's going to do all the saving. But what if God just wants to use your life and your story and your experiences and what you've been through? What if God wants to use you to save somebody else and get them through their storm? And I am not saying, I'm not saying that that means everything that's happened in your life is God's plan all the way, all along. God meant for you to be raped and God meant for you to be abused and God meant for your husband to have an affair, your wife to to walk out of your water. No, 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 no. It just means this, that God doesn't want anything that you've gone through to be wasted. To be, well, I'm sorry, you just had to write those 10 years off of your life. No, no, he wants to use it. Or like Scott said two weeks ago, he wants to redeem it. To take the worst thing that's ever happened in your life and use it for something good. See, Jonah was saved for a reason. For a reason. Otherwise, God should have just killed him in the fish and taken him to heaven. Jonah said, I'm wrong. I want to follow you. Boom, come to heaven. That's what he should do with us. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Boom. Get out of here before you screw it up, right? I mean, that, that, that makes sense. But, but he left Jonah here for a reason. And my question is, what if he left you here for the, 
for some reason? What if, he, what if you were left here for some reason? What if there's a reason you're still here? Because you shouldn't be here. Right? I mean, what, what, what if the reason, there is a reason why you survived what you've been through? Because a lot of people didn't survive, but you did. Why? Maybe there's a reason for why you have what you have and you can do what you can do. What is that for you? And once again, I don't know. This is the third week. Jim still doesn't have all the air. But I don't, I don't, I can't answer that for you. You have to figure that out with God, but I will say this. I bet you know. I bet you're sitting going, I hope it's not this. It probably is. <laughs> really, it, it, it probably is. And here's the warning. Hey, Jonah, I'm talking to you. You might want to pay attention to what God may be trying to tell you because I think you're getting a second chance. Pay attention. Here's the other application. And it's, to, it's to those of us who live in Nineveh. So we're not the Jonas, we're the people living in that, that city. And here's what I mean by that. We know who we are. In the past, we have screwed up our lives. Don't raise your hand. Right? We screwed up our life. We've done some things that resulted in some really stormy seas, some really bad shipwrecks that didn't just land us in a bad place, but landed on some other people. Our past mistakes caused a lot of people in our life, a lot of pain, caused a lot of damage. And remember right after it happened, we swore up and down, I will never do that again. That was the last time I'm going to change my ways. And we did. We gave it our best shot. We changed for a while. But lately, right? I mean, it's like we're starting to do the old things again. The same old dumb stuff again. Going down the same path again. And just be honest. You got to be honest with yourself. Isn't it true? You look back over the last several days or weeks of your life that God has been doing some stuff in your life. He's been sending you some messages Try to get you to pay attention before it's too late. In other words, God doesn't have to give you another chance. He already gave you one chance. You're going to heaven. But because he loves you, he's going to give you a second chance to pay attention and make some changes in your life before it's too late again. And I'm not talking about too late to be forgiven. It's never too late for that. But how about this? Jonah's message from God to Nineveh was this. All right, this is your last warning. You get another shot, all right? But unless you turn back to God, do what you need to do. In 40 days, you're going to lose everything. And what if the message from God today for you is this? I have tried and tried and tried. I have run after you. I have reached out to you. And I'm trying to get you to see and understand what's at stake. How much of, of your life hangs in the balance. But you keep on running from me. You should be running to me. But you run away from me. So this is your second chance. And it's your last warning. If things don't change, if you don't follow me, if you keep on running from me, you try to live your life without me. Let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to lose another marriage. How many do you need to lose? Right? You're going to destroy your family. You're going to break your kid's heart again. You're going to fall off the wagon again. You're going to end up in jail. You're going to lose your license. You're going to lose your job again. You're going to lose everything. And here's the thing is you don't have to. You, you don't have to lose everything. And so God's saying, I have been running after you. I'm reaching out to you one more time. If you want things to be saved, things have to change. But you have to come and follow me. Now, what is that for you? And I don't know. But you do. So I'm done. Look, look at that. All right? So here are two really hard but very simple applications. Here's two choices that you're left with tonight. Two deals on the table, two ways to walk out of this room in about 10 minutes, whatever that is, all right? And here they are. See, whether you've made mistakes in the past and think you're disqualified, you're wrong. You're not. 
God is a God of second chances and he wants to send you out of this room and use your life and your past for something good. The question is, are you willing to let him do that? You don't have to. You can swim the other direction. The second deal would be this. See, whether you're making or starting to make the same old mistakes again and you're on your way to blowing up your life again and you think, well, this time I'm sure it's too late and I'm sure he's not going to forgive me again. I'm sure I'm disqualified. Well, you're wrong. You are not. You're not disqualified. It's not too late. And God hasn't given up on you because God is a God of second chances and he's calling out to you one more time, turn around and come back. Come back to where you belong before it's too late and you lose everything. Are you willing to do that? Either way, pay attention. Let's pray. So God, um, wow. I, where, where do you start? You know, it's like, um, I, I, I think, you know, we talk all the time about forgiving other people and moving on and stuff like that, but there's a lot of us in this room. We are our, worst, our own worst enemies. We, we, it's like, we're going to blow it up anyway, so we might as well just blow it up now. We're going to fall off the wagon. We're going to screw up our family. We're going to mess up this relationship, so why not just pull the pin and throw the grenade because it's going to happen eventually. And because we have disqualified ourselves and just assume that you have too, and it's not true. You're the God of second chances, and it doesn't matter how far we've run or what we've done or how many times, how deep we are in it. You reach down to the pit, and you are willing to, to rescue all of us. We tend to forget that. Your grace is that sufficient and that good. God, we just, we just really need strength uh, to become the people that you want us to be. To, to stop replaying the old tapes in our head that say that we're disqualified or, or we're, we've, we've made too many mistakes. It's just not true. So God, thank you for offering all of us a second chance or maybe a second thousandth chance, whatever that is. And I pray that we make a wise decision and take you up on, on the deal that you're offering. And that is absolute grace and forgiveness and strength to make it through another day. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.